everybody, and welcome to Famous First Times. I'm Ian. And I'm Dominic. You're listening to a podcast about famous people and what they get up to in the bedroom. It's a sexy podcast that you're going to listen to and find out all about people's first times, hopefully. And Ian, tell us what we're doing this episode. Who we're looking at? We're doing a David Bowie episode. Yeah. We're doing David Bowie and someone who's ripped off David Bowie. Oh, right, okay. Sounds really good, that. <laughs> Big it up. Yeah. Okay, let's let's see what we got. What do you reckon? I reckon he's all right. Yeah. What's your favourite era? Favourite era, of David Bowie? Uh, I fucking really love Low. Like, that's my favourite album. That's the first one I discovered. So Low's from his... The Berlin Trilogy? Yeah. Do you know where Low was recorded? Berlin? Paris. Fuck! recorded in Paris. What's he doing calling it Berlin Trilogy? Yeah. And Lodger, third one, wasn't in Berlin either. Wasn't Berlin. Oh, what so the fuck? the fucking heroes in Berlin. Oh, he's just full of shit, isn't he? That is the fucking theme of these stories. Bowie is full of shit. Well, he's always dressing up like someone else and don't need a costume to do everything, do you? <sighs> Stop shaming Bowie. I'm not shaming him, I'm just saying he's a fucking massive faker. Alright, chill out. <laughs> this is just because you found out Lowe was recorded in Paris. Oh, he's still angry about it. <laughs> livid. Did you know I'd say Lowe? No, but I would have engineered it so you would have said low somehow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're not doing any original thoughts here, Dom. It's all, it's all lined up like a rat in a maze. What if I would have said, uh, my favourite David Bowie, I only like the Laughing Gnome song um, <laughs> and then uh, Tin Machine. <laughs> not everything else in between is shit. Yeah, right. Serious question. It, what's Tin Machine like? Is it any good? It's Machine's not good. fucking dreadful. People really? like give it loads of shit, but it's a bit like a blues band. I thought when I listened to it, when I first got it, that it was going to sound really weird and ridiculous and like loads of robot noises. Yeah, the name Tin Machine. Yeah, it's going to sound like fucking bag of screws being chucked about. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just like like a bar band just playing like blues riffs. Um, have you ever, did you ever see him live? Did you ever see Bowie live? Yeah, were you not at that Glastonbury? Yeah, I watched it right at the back. What did you think? I was not engaged with it at all. <laughs> Me neither, eh? They played it recently on... Yeah, it was BBC, wasn't it? Yeah, and even then I was like, it's good, but like, I still f- can't connect to it at all. Same here, same here. When I was there, I was into Bowie big time then. But it just felt fucking lame, like a guy, like 20 years past his best. Mm-hmm. Felt a bit fucking karaoke. It was just too far away and just too... So you didn't get the big communal festival experience? No, I've never really got like, oh, all these people are just like me. Yeah, I know. Just stood in a big crowd and just looking around at everyone going, oh, you're all like me. <laughs> just looking around at everyone going, you've, you've just been pissing in a cup in, in front of you and you've yeah. just been like fingering your girlfriend. <laughs> and if I happen to barge past you and you spill a little bit of your drink, you'll batter me. Mm. I don't want to like... Age shame, like these people, <laughs> by like saying, "Oh, you're only good like in the first two albums or whatever." But I would prefer to see any band on the second album rather than when they've been playing it for twenty years and they've they're just rolling it out. Yeah, but but we're not here to talk about his great music. What are we here to talk about then, Dom? Uh, big old floppy dong dong. <laughs> It's interesting you say that. There's a, there's a reference to his floppy dong dong later on. <laughs> no fucking shit there is. <laughs> right. Uh, but first, before we get to any shagging, is this is the year that he lost his virginity. This is when he got interested in girls. And this is from an interview in Music Star magazine from 1973. And this 
explains, do you know his eye? He's got one it green explains eye. why he was born with one eye different than the other. He wasn't born with it though, was he? He must have been. Is this going to explain what happened then? Yeah, you don't know this. No. Right, his pupil doesn't open. That's one of the things about his eyes, isn't it? His pupil's constantly big. This isn't a fucking big deal. It's just this no. Is I know knowledge. that he's got one eye different the other than the other, and you're going on about what do you think? Like the that is? he can't open one of his eyes. Isn't it's, it? No, his pupil's just big. Pupil's not the eye. The pupil is the black bit. I know what the pupil <laughs> is. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> you fucking are. It don't matter. Let's see the story. Right, right. This explains his wonky eye. Okay. When I was 14, I fell in love with a girl. I can't even remember her name now, but at the time, I was crazy about her. Only trouble was, my best mate had a bit of a soft spot for her too. (laughs) (laughs) I was the winner. Quicker off the mark, I suppose. I moved in before he'd even made up his mind how to approach her. Anyway... Next day, I was at school boasting to my mate about what a Casanova I was, and he became terribly annoyed. In fact, he threw a punch at me. It caught me in the eye, and I stumbled against the wall and onto my knees. At first he thought I was kidding. It wasn't a very hard punch, but it had obviously caught me at a rather odd angle. (laughs) (laughs) At first they thought I'd lose my eye I was scared stiff (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's what fucked with his eye But the guy who did it This uh, mate Underwood Yeah It's the same guy who did the design for Ziggy Stardust apparently as well He stayed mentioning him for years This is what Underwood But he punched his eye fucking a different colour it, it, oh, it's something to do with the sphincter in his eye. <laughs> sphincter in his eye? Yeah, sphincters in your eye. I, I thought it was an arsehole thing. But yeah, you have a sphincter in your eye and it's somehow fucked with a muscle <laughs> and it stopped it from ever contracting. And... Wow. Well, so that's a good sex story, isn't it? It's not finished. Fell <laughs> 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 in love with a girl and he got punched in the eye it's, because of it. It's not about that, right? So this is what his mate said, Underwood said. He got a date with this girl they were both after. Yeah. And on the day of the date, he said, David rang me up and said that she had to cancel, so he didn't bother going. Yeah. But he'd made it up. He's a complete lie. <sighs> Fucking Fucking Bowie lying. <laughs> Pattern that would repeat throughout his life. <laughs> uh, apparently the girl stood around for over an hour waiting for him. Uh, and he goes, it was a bastard thing to do, and I was furious with him. So it developed into a fight. So it's a bit darker than what Bowie's making, right? <laughs> right, here's his proper virginity story. This is from an interview in Playboy magazine in 1976 with Cameron Crowe. Yeah. And this is obviously his like station to station area when he was fucked up. When I was 14, sex suddenly became all important to me. It didn't really matter who or what it was with as long as it was a sexual experience. So it was some very pretty boy in class in some school or other that I took home and neatly fucked on my bed upstairs. <laughs> and that was it. My first thought was, well, if I ever get sent to prison, I know how to keep happy. <laughs> I was always a gentleman. I always treated my boys like real ladies. Always escorted them properly. And in fact, I suppose, if I were a lot older, like 40 or 50... I'd be a wonderful sugar daddy to some little queen down in Kensington. I'd have a houseboy named Richard to order around. (laughs) (laughs) Was he really a full-on homo when he was... I, I was going to say this. I didn't. I thought it was There's just all no a bit of an act. He was fully gay when he was fourteen. I thought he was just all a bit dragging up to get women. That's how I thought. Well, he was. I knew he was a bit bi, but I thought it was mainly ladies, and he was just sometimes he was so insatiable and fucked off his head that he got fuck it. I'll have a lad as well. <laughs> but I didn't think he was like mainly like fucking guys and going. Oh, I'd be great in prison. <laughs> I don't know to keep happy. <laughs> Just like loads of fucking horrible, scarred criminals. 
All right, David. <laughs> you want to get fucked up the ass? <laughs> yeah, I've done it before. It's fine. <laughs> I know how to make myself happy. Mind you, ask that because he mentions this in an interview in 1972 in Melody Maker. Uh, the writer, this is how he introduces Bowie. He goes, David's present image is to come on like a swishy queen, a gorgeously effeminate boy. He's as camp as a row of tents with his limp hand and trolling vocabulary. Ultra cancellable. Yeah. But here's what he says in the interview. I'm gay and always have been, even when I was David Jones. And the interviewer writes, but there's a sly jollity about how he says it, a secret smile at the corners of his mouth. It's just so happened that in the past two years, people have loosened up to the fact that there are bisexuals in the world. And, horrible fact, <laughs> homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> and the writer says he smiles, enjoying his piece of addendum. I don't wear dresses all the time either. I change every day. I'm not outrageous. I'm David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he's come out straight up and said it. And this is 72 as well. This is even before he's like fucking wild hero. Yeah. 72, that's mad because you've only just got out of the 60s. I think he's like just... It must have been like a massive thing to like build your image then, just the shock value of being bi and being androgynous. You think he made it up just for just for press? Do you think he's making it up? Yeah, it doesn't... I, yeah. I, I think he's straight, really, but like a bit bi-curious. You know, um, gay sex only became legal in 1967 as well. All right, so... So to say that someone like... This is only just... It's like five after, years. Yeah. Five years. To say that five years after, that's going to get fucking headlines across the world, isn't it? That's yeah, so... and he fucking knows that. And he, he is playing a, a game to to get the public's attention. And he fucking he did it really well. Back to Cameron Crowe. But this time, same year, 1976. But this time it's in Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, and he talks about that interview we just looked at. Somebody asked me in an interview if I'd ever had a gay experience, and I said, yes, of course, I am a bisexual. (laughs) (laughs) The guy didn't know what I meant. He gave me this horrified look of, oh, my God, that's meant he's got a cock and a cunt. (laughs) 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 A cock and a cunt. I suppose early 70s. That, no yeah, if you didn't it. know what bisexual meant, that could be what the definition would be. Right, here's the big reveal you've all been waiting for. 983, Rolling Stone magazine again, and this is with Kurt Lauder. The biggest mistake I ever made was telling that melody maker writer that I was bisexual. Christ, I was so young then, I was experimenting. <laughs> ah, so the truth comes out. Yeah, yeah. All right, before we go back to that, read this from Rolling Stone magazine again uh, in 1993 this time. I think I was always a closet heterosexual. I didn't ever feel that I was a real bisexual. It was like I was making all the moves down to the situation of actually trying it out with some guys. I wanted to imbue Ziggy with real flesh and blood and muscle. And it was imperative that I find Ziggy and be him. The irony of it was that I was not gay. I was physical about it, but frankly, it wasn't enjoyable. It was almost like I was testing myself. It wasn't something I was comfortable with at all. But it had to be done. That phase lasted up to about 1974. It more or less died with Ziggy. <laughs> Stop looking at me when you say that. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's totally backtracked on everything he said. He said he was making it all. I was right. I was fucking right all along. Right. That's amazing, though. What a big fucking faker. Trust him. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing the big fucking game. I mean, but it, from from reading that, it wasn't just cold, calculated press game mm. it was more like he convinced himself that he was gay there was some like battle in him to try and live up to the persona he'd created yeah to live up to Ziggy uh, this is what Ziggy would do so he's gonna yeah. do it yeah. so I kind of feel a bit more sympathetic with him 
now I can see that it's like it's not just a a cynical, a cynical PR facade, trick. yeah. Yeah, yeah and you don't, what is it? You, frankly, it wasn't enjoyable. I mean, fucking hell, man. <laughs> if it's not, just don't do it. Mad bastard. It's almost if only like, you could go back and tell him, <laughs> David, you don't have bum no one. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing it here. <laughs> it feels horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but... But I bought so much mascara that I can't go back now. <laughs> so a lot of this stuff so far has just been about is he is he not is he gay is he not? Yeah. But yeah, that shouldn't just be the narrative of this. He it is what he is. He does what he does. We've a long time talking about is he or isn't he? Right. Well, when we know he isn't. But he did do a bit of but it. But he did do it. <laughs> but he did do it. But he ain't it. He did do it. But he ain't that. <laughs> right. No, let's chat about his attitude to women. Yeah, women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, go back to that 1983 interview with Kurt Loder in Rolling Stone magazine. Kurt Loder asked David Bowie, no great loves? I've got a number of girlfriends that I see around the world. I'm a bit sailor-like, I suppose. But I wasn't happy with marriage. I went into it wrong. I think that I just find it hard to live with anybody. <laughs> I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a very solitary person, actually. Kind of selfish in that way. I like my own company. I like thinking on my own. I like writing on my own. I find it very hard to be perpetually enthusiastic <laughs> about somebody else's life all the time. And rather than inflict that on someone, I'd just as soon see them more casually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just can't fucking... Can't commit to anyone. Yeah. Solitary person. Well, like, kind of selfish in that way. Yeah. So, I mean, he's admitting it. Not shames to say it. Uh, this is a quote he uses, an old quote, to, to justify his behaviour. There was one famous old Zen monk who regarded his house as his clothes. And somebody knocked on his door once and he wasn't wearing anything. And they said, why aren't you wearing anything? And he said, what are you doing in my trousers? (laughs) (laughs) How the fuck does that relate to what he just said? I don't get it, what... How did he, how did he justify him being a shagger when he, with that? Because it's bollocks. It don't make any sense. It needs thinking about, doesn't it? So right, so right. right let's let's look at it. <laughs> so monk thought his house with his clothes. What does that mean? So th- this house you live in is just the same as a pair of pants, right? <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, but just, what does that mean meant well, no, to me well, just, to me to me mind? Well what? you're wearing your house, aren't you? So how my house looks is, is what no, I no, no. myself it's, to look it like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Um just like you're in a t shirt which is around your body, your house is around your body, so it houses you. So it's a reflection of me? Don't wonder about what think about <laughs> any metaphors. It's just a thing it's, that is... It's yeah, we'll get that. Zen we'll we'll get the metaphor eventually. So, right. A house right. is a thing you're wearing because you're in it just like you're in a pair of pants. Right, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then someone knocks on his door and he wasn't wearing anything. <laughs> but how can he not be wearing anything if he's in his house? You don't fucking know. You just no, say it in that meaningful way. That <laughs> ponderous... The guy who knocks on his door... Comes in his house, so he's wearing his trousers because he's in the same. Don't clothes. say he come in his house, by the way. He you, you, you're, you're, you're adding shit into it. I'm putting, putting some armor. Yeah, I think his miss remembered the monk's <laughs> quote. I think it's a shit quote. I, I don't like it. Don't make any sense. I like it, but I think David Bowie said it wrong. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh yeah, I was going to tell you about his penis, wasn't I? Oh please do. Well, what did you call it? It's, it's... big flappy dang dang. <laughs> So, will you tell me about his dick? I want to know about his dick, Ian. Okay, quick story from a book called Starman by Paul Trinker, came out in 2011. David Bowie was living with his manager, I think this was his late 60s, manager Ken Pitt, who was an openly gay man, which is rare for, for that time. 
On several occasions, David frolicked around the flat naked. I'll quote you. Pitt noticed his long, weighty penis. Weighty. <laughs> Makes you think of a bag of mints. <laughs> just like really bottom heavy, just like <laughs> massive, like lead bell end. Like a hacky sack. <laughs> and he concedes that David was a tease. On another occasion, Pitt emerged from the bathroom naked and David laughing, mimed measuring Pitt's penis, acting out an odd expression. <laughs> Stole a lot of dick fun. <laughs> Late 60s dick fun. Why was, why was he in the nude? It sounds like they were always in the nude. Yeah, he's, he's like saying David's a tease for walking around nude. And then he's doing it as well. And David's like, ooh, let's have a look at how long the dick is. <laughs> They're both teasing. They're both at it. Pitt rejects that there was any sexual frisson between them. Said it was simply funny. Any sexual undertone was in their minds, not ours. He says he ends by saying, Is David gay? I honestly don't know. So, still up in the air. Oh, yeah, another manager story. This is from Bowie, a biography by Mark Spitz, come out in 2009. Right, so Ralph Horton is is David Jones, his manager in the late 60s. Ralph Horton's gay. And he can't handle it. He can tell that David Jones is due for bigger and better things and he knew he couldn't cope with it. So he rings Simon Napier-Bell, who was managing Matt Boland's band at the time. Bigger manager. Big manager, better manager. He goes, uh, do you want to come round and have a chat about a project? So Simon Napier-Bell goes round to his flat and the project was sitting in the corner, David Jones. And here's his words. Ralph asked if I would be prepared to help with David's management and as an introductory offer, suggested I might like to have sex with him. Although the boy in the corner seemed acquiescent, the overall sleaziness of the idea rather put me off, so I turned it down. Consequently, I neither slept with him nor managed him. In retrospect, I admit both things might have been worth doing. No fucking regrets. So is he offering, he's offering Bowie, like, saying you can sign him, and if you want, you can fuck him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He will do anything to get a single out. Yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit rough, isn't it? That is... Right? I mean, that's telling insight in what the fucking the 60s music scene was like behind the scenes. Mm. But turned it down, so there was people with scruples. Yeah, no harm there. done. No harm Everyone's done. Everyone's happy. No foul. <laughs> Probably never happened anywhere else either. <laughs> well, that's the only instance that that went on. Yeah, of course. Okay, let's go to this 1976 interview with Playboy. Again, Cameron Crowe. I'll be Cameron. How much of your bisexuality is fact and how much is gimmick? It's true. I am a bisexual. I suppose it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Fun too. (laughs) Girls are always presuming that I've kept my heterosexual virginity for some reason. So I've had all these girls try to get me over to the other side again. Come on, David. It isn't all that bad. I'll show you, or better yet, we'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) I always play dumb. (laughs) Clever boy. Dirty David. Dirty David. Another question here. Didn't your wife Angela have something to do with you getting your first recording contract? Angela and I knew each other because we were both going out with the same man. Another one of her boyfriends a talent scout for Mercury Records, took her to a show at the Roundhouse, where I happened to be playing. He hated me. She thought I was great. Ultimately, she threatened to leave him if he didn't sign me. So, he signed me. <laughs> I married Angela, and we both continued to see him. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's... Um... It's just a fucking slag, isn't it? It's a fucking world bad slag. You can't get enough of the bums and the muff. <laughs> Apparently in Angie Bowie's biography, uh, she wrote, David made a virtual religion of slipping the lance of love into almost everyone around him. Some lovers they shared, others they did not. Uh, and here's a story about his 1972 tour of America, also in Angie Bowie's book. He's shagging this model, 19-year-old model called Sarinda Fox. Angie recalls that he sent for her while he was having sex with her because he needed someone to talk to. Bowie. So he's shagging his wife and then just like clicking his fingers going, 
Send me someone interesting. No, he's shagging, he's shagging a groupie. Shagging right. a, and then he calls in his wife to chat to while he's shagging the groupie. Right. I mean, Does that make it better? A bit better, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does that make it better? Yes. Yeah, because, like, at least she's... I think that makes it worse. He's shagging someone else and just chatting to her while he's shagging. That's... But just imagine if, if you was his wife, but he found you so dull that <laughs> he couldn't talk to you. He could only shag you. So he brings a, a 19-year-old girl to chat to yeah. him. So, so a 19-year-old girl is more interesting than me. Yeah, that'd be worse. But still, it's fucking terrible. Like, was Angie all right with any of this? She's just as bad as him. Here's another other line. Back in his home in Chelsea, the focal point was a four-foot-deep bed known as the pit, where he and Angie would host orgies. Four-foot-deep? Yeah. That's so you, fucking well, though, isn't it? <laughs> so you have got one big, big hole in the ground. Yeah, big hole in the ground that you just chuck a load of naked people in. <laughs> but it says that her, both him and Angie were hosting these orgies, so she was in on it. Wasn't off it. Probably. <laughs> Probably not fucking... If he's going, Turned. right, going to have some orgies tonight. I'm going to have 19-year-olds. <laughs> and I'm going to have... Lots of them. <laughs> Are you into it? Uh, fucking get your line. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, David. I suppose it's that a loser house. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far, these have all been interviews, aren't they? Because David Bowie's never written an autobiography, right? Yeah, no biography written by David Bowie. Or, so you'd think. Right? So in, in, around this time, around the time of the Cameron Crowe interviews, 1976, he was writing an autobiography. Get out of town. <laughs> right. And remember, he's, he's, he's in peak fucked upness at this time. Yeah. So I want you to read this first quote, which is like a typical bit from it. You, you actually can't get this autobiography. It's not available anywhere. But why but, did no one finish yeah, it? I, sounds like he didn't finish it. And you might, yeah. and when you hear some of the, what he was saying, you might realise <laughs> why it was never published. <laughs> Okay. Soon you will be rolled by the illusion of a dawn that has been dragged out from the bowels of the vile entities of inhumanity. A false dawn, stripped of its puce and turgidism <laughs> by the divine witch Magnosium, the smog drab pretender who crawls up from the sewers, from the suffocation of the witch's omnipotent embrace to enter our hideous subdomain, stinking with eternal damnation. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with him? What's happened to him? That's a load of bollocks, isn't it? He's lost his fucking mind. Well, there's a sex scene. So, he's, wait a minute, it's autobiography, this, is isn't it? Is that sex? I don't know what. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> in that fucking. Well, it's a jism. It's a jism, yes. Turgid jism. There we go. It's a sex story. <laughs> He's writing about a time in New York in 1975, and here's his sex scene from that time. I'm rigid with sensation. I feel my tongue lapping towards her womb. I move around and move around her and move. And I move around her riding and her riding form to snatch and suck at the nape of her neck. The short, curly hair, tasting of some special brew. Search for some. <laughs> search for, prepared and applied. I'm slow, hard, fast, solid, then slow and then pulsating, that I perceive the indifference of a time warp. <laughs> The gossamer sweat seems to pale her blackness to an almost drab yellow sheen. Sexy, eh? Yeah? That's funny, that's, that's some sexy fucking poetry, that. <laughs> Final excerpt from his autobiography. This, this is him talking about himself at age 14, which is when he lost his virginity. My grey flannel pants had been tapered at the cuffs to a tight 13 inches. Waving aside the pericomo, I chose for class today the thin blue on my accountant stripe with its starch white collar. I catch sight of myself in the living room mirror and take pride in those buttocks. My cock looks bulgy and tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Likes himself at 14, doesn't he? Yeah. Would you would you read his autobiography? Because I would not read that shit. That's it's not even bollocks. that is not a biography, that is ramblings of a fucking lunatic. <laughs> yeah, it really is, isn't it? It's poetry written by someone who's not got a grasp of is, is it poetry? Do you reckon it's it's not trying to tell a story there, is it? I think he is. Fucking hell. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Wa- I wouldn't read it. <laughs> Do you know what's weird? It goes from all that stuff, all the pu- puce and turgid jism and violences of humanity, and writhing and snatching blackness, to fucking talking about what shirt he was. Yeah. Peri Peri Como, grey flannel pants. So is a Peri Como a shirt? It's just like a shit shirt that Peri Como. It must wear. be. It must be a stylish shirt, yeah, or and a pant. He chooses blue and white countenance stripe. Yeah, really boring detail. <laughs> <Yes>. Wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, cheers for that. Great fucking flannel pants. <laughs> really delving into your psyche there. Yeah, but it's all leading up to his ass and his cock though. Yeah. You've got to know what he's wrapped in. <laughs> so yeah, it's fucking proud buttocks in his grey flannel pants. And his cock bulging through his Grey flannel pants. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Bruce Fox doing it again, yeah. Grey pants. Can you imagine it? Cock bulging out with grey pants. Oh, <laughs> lovely big cock coming out of the grey pants. <laughs> Ooh, flannel. Ooh, lovely flannel. Sexy flannel. Get your cock out of that flannel. <laughs> Before we get to the bullshit, though, here's one final, final, final thing. Uh, so, 1972, is with a famous groupie, Giuseppe Caruso. She's invited back to Bowie's hotel room where he properly seduced her. Lots of kissing, lots of hugging, lots of fucking. Later that night, Bowie's bodyguard answers a knock on the door and calls for David. David goes to the door and returns a few minutes later, white as a sheet. He was visibly shocked. Someone had turned up and offered him a dead body for David to have sex with. A warm, dead body. And here's what he says. Who on earth do they think I am? <laughs> Why would they think I'd be interested in something like that? Why would I be interested in fucking a dead body? <laughs> so he does have some limits. Yeah, so he's shaming it that he discriminates <laughs> against the dead. Against the dead when he's like so liberal about everyone else. So what are we saying bullshit here? Fucking 90% bullshit. Loads of bullshit, yeah. 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 I don't know what's true, what's not. I mean, he's fucking lived a wild life and a lot of this will be true, but a lot of it won't. So he knows that bullshit sells and he probably lost the plot many, many times and doesn't know what's real and what's not most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he'd probably say bullshit as well. Walk or cancelled? Is he walk or is he not? Does he need be cancelled? Is he a new man or what? Or is he a bastard? Does he dish out compliments without expectation? Is he liberal with his hands when he's with a lady? <laughs> Let's weigh it up, Ian. He is liberal enough to have sex with most things. <laughs> Woman, man, person, camera, TV. <laughs> He's um, open to homosexual experiences. Mm-hmm. That's good of him. So no one's having a bad time here. He's not fucking anyone over who doesn't know they're being fucked over. Ah, but he fucked over his mate before he'd even had sex. Very first thing he did in his romantic life that we're aware of, he fucked over his mate. When he was 14. Yeah. So you oh, start, cancel start, him because he like... a cunt. Because <laughs> he was a bit of a cunt to his mate. <laughs> All right, let's cancel him then. We're cancelling Bowie? For that? Yeah. Is there anything else he's done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about that. It's <laughs> 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 okay, yeah, let's cancel him. Right, Bowie's cancelled. Sorry, guys. Bowie's cancelled. 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 Bowie's cancelled.
Gary Newman. Do you like Gary Newman? Do you like his music? Cars, our friends electric. Do you ever get into it? Um, yeah, I got. I remember like seeing his albums in charity shops um, quite a lot, and I I did buy up a few. Really? And, uh, I have I have listened to quite a bit of Gary Newman. Yeah, I would not have expected that. I didn't think you were into any yeah, kind of. Yeah, he's like it. kind of a electro David Bowie thing. I think he's all right. Yeah, I like his music. You know, you know, he's full Tory, proud Tory. Shit, really? Mm. Yeah, he's not Billy Bragg, is he? You're not liking him because of his his, his earthy, down to earth qualities. Yeah, he's... you're liking him because he's a fucking weirdo. All right, good on him. <laughs> you good on him you. for being a fucking Tory. Yeah, how do you think Gary Newman lost his virginity? Has he lost his virginity? He can't have anything down there, though. He's, like, got to be smooth like a Ken doll. Do you think he's a robot? Uh, maybe just, like... Just born just, weird. Just born, born weird, yeah. Born with no dick and balls. No dick, no balls. All right, you're wrong. You're, you're completely wrong. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know how he's lost his virginity. Should we find out? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a few different interviews over the past 20, 30 years with various magazines and newspapers. This first one is about his virginity and it's from 2017 and it was in The Guardian and the interview was done with Rosanna Greenstreet. My most embarrassing moment was losing my virginity on a boat at the end of someone's garden on the Thames when I was 14 or 15. My incompetence compared with my levels of previous bragging was staggering. I'm surprised he was 14 or 15 because he seems like such a nerd. I expect him to be a late bloomer. Yeah, because he's just so weird. Mm. Yeah, you wouldn't expect him to be able to talk to women, really, because he's a bit odd. So he's been, like, bragging about how good he was to all his mates, and then he tried it and realised, yeah. can't really do this. Yeah, not a lot of people that we've seen before have actually admitted there was absolute dog shit at it on the first time. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised at his honesty and his humility. Yeah, yeah, that's nice to to know. Does paint him as a bit of a nerd, which you already thought he was. Don't really live up to his alien outsider image, does it? On a fucking canal. <laughs> okay, this is what he was like when he got older. He's got a bit of fame. Oh, he's a bit more experienced now. Uh, yeah, well, it's just how he how he treated sex when he was older and famous. All right. This is from an interview in 2009, again with The Guardian, and it was with Paul Lester. My success was very rapid. There was no gradual rise. It was just boom. I woke up one day and everybody wanted to talk to me. A great deal of the attention was hostile. And you were expected to sink or swim. I got revenge on some former acquaintances by seeking out their girlfriends and having sex with every one of them. I was a spiteful little boy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that? Nice, yeah. What Fuck a it. cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck your fairness now, I'll shag all your birds. Cunt to me, so... Shaggy Bird. Well, check this out. So he wasn't acquaintances. They were members of his first band. These band members had thrown him out years ago. Yeah. Probably mid-70s or something. Pretty sleazy, really, to do that. He doesn't even seem but sleazy. It just seems more calculated. Like a robot. Yeah, like a calculated <laughs> robot programmed to destroy. Well, they should up. have fucking chucked him out of the band. Like, yeah, he's sticking up with Gary Newman in yeah. that scenario. You're thinking he's all right. Yeah. He does follow up in an interview... Again with The Guardian, this was in 2002, yeah. says this about it. How shallow and pathetic is that? I wouldn't do that now. <laughs> All right, so he does He does uh, get a handle on the right thing. This is 2002, so he's in his, what, his 40s, his 50s. He's like, he wants a pat on the back for saying, oh, what, you wouldn't do that now? No, you're yeah. not famous and you're old. Oh, good <laughs> on you. I mean, it's really easy to just say, yeah, it was shit, though. I shouldn't have done that. And that doesn't, and that excuses it, anything you do. So, oh, yeah, that was a few years ago. Shouldn't have done that. Another interview, this is The Mirror in 2008, and he talks about his exes and how he met his wife, his wife Gemma. I count Carol Kaplan and Magenta Divine as exes. Well, I didn't really date them, if you get my meaning. Do you know who Carol Kaplan is, actually? Carol Kaplan was Sherry Blur's mate. And I don't know any of Cheryl Blair's mates. No, it was a big story. It was a big news. <laughs> a big news story, and she was married to this con do you know, man. Do you know who was uh, mates with Sherry Blair in the sixties, <laughs> seventies? No, do a fuck. It's a legitimate news story. She was anyway. 
Yeah, go on. Sherry Blair's best mate, and she was married to a con man, or she was dating a con man, and they got really close to Tony Blair and Sherry Blair. Yeah. Labour were in power, so it's like so, a con man was close to the, the seat of power in the UK. Yeah. It was a big scandal. It was a big story. But I don't get what his meaning is. Is he just saying he shagged him? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, maybe a deep get away from it. All right. Right, Gary Newman's not a deep man. There's no, no poetry to what he's saying. But he sees him as his exes because he's shagged them. Are they your ex-girlfriends? No, but I've shagged them, so they're in my Microsoft Excel spreadsheet database. So he's married now. He's married to this woman called Gemma. Yeah. And she was a fan. She was oh, one of his yeah, big yeah, fans. Have you heard of this? Yeah, yeah, I know he, yeah. he married a fan. And he credits her to... Like changing his life and making him just happy and normal. She still insists she wasn't a stalker. She thought I could have sex all night long. And of course, I couldn't live up to that. See, with that, I'm wondering, is, is he being like humble and, or is he just literally saying, didn't give a shit and he just <laughs> fucked her for like two minutes or whatever, then, then would left. <laughs> well, you know, she thought I was going to be great, but I weren't, so... You know, whatever. And he's not asked. Yeah, because he doesn't sound like he's, he's embarrassed by that, really. I remember, um, like, seeing an interview with Robbie Williams and he was... I don't even think it was an interview. It was just, like, a clip of him backstage at a gig and he's like, brought my personal best last night, like, one and a half minutes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Fucking and he was, like, <laughs> trying to see how quick he could get it over with and just... Just like really reveling in the fact that it's just a shit shag. <laughs> yeah. Anyone will fucking do it with it. Because Robbie's just like a fucking dickhead, isn't he? And just like wants to be the roughest, scummiest, scuzziest, dirtiest bastard. Yeah. Whereas Gary Newman, I just think, I don't think he cares about any of that. I just don't think he cares. I don't think it's on his mind, really. Yeah, he's not disappointing himself for it, but he's not bragging about it. It's just something that happens. It's just how it Just was. shit that happens. <laughs> I had sex. I was shit. Whatever. <laughs> now I will marry this woman. <laughs> so, like, it, she insists she wasn't a stalker. She's yeah. Well, stalk. he goes into this in this next story. And All right. She kind of wasn't a stalker, but she was a big fan. Huge, huge fan. But and if she... you have to insist you're not a stalker, that does kind of mean... Protesting too much. Yeah, that people disagree. Well, here's what he talks about in The Times in 2018. I'd seen Gemma at my gigs for years. She stood out. She was really pretty. She wore amazing clothes and was always at the front. Everyone liked her. Her nickname was Fantasy Tits. <laughs> and one of the road crew called her that, which wasn't nice, but it stuck. <laughs> After every gig, she'd come up to me get something signed, and off she went without a word. She never slept around. <laughs> weird hell. little f and why why is he playing that she never slept around why is he because he's like saying he was on she was only interested in him so she weren't a groupie she was just um she was just infatuated with him in a yeah. normal way this was all normal yeah she he's making a, that a slag he's <laughs> making that pure clear isn't he what do you think about her nickname <laughs> fantasy tits <laughs> what does that mean what it's like like really just, good. These must be really good tits that you, the the ones that you imagine are the ones like uh, Lord of the Rings tits. What the fuck are Lord of the Rings tits? I don't know. <laughs> like the way that J.R. Tolkien describes tits when he's talking about tits. Does like, he? That's yeah. that's probably what those look like. Yeah. Are you like, making that up? No. Is that what? How, what come on, how does J.R. Tolkien just, talk uh, about tits? I've not got any. Have you got any of his books there? No, I've not. No. No. Well, you'd, well you just have, a, have to have a flip through some of his books. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. In the same interview, this is Gemma saying how she got with Gary. Gary got my number from his mum, who ran the fan club, and he called me. I thought it was a hoax, but he was serious. I was living on a council estate in Sidcup, and Gary picked me up in his car. On that first day, we went to a little chef. I was so nervous that I spilt tea everywhere. Gary never wanted to have dinner with friends, but eventually I got him to go out. He could be very hard to be with. Imagine Spock having sex. <laughs> He's got rules. You've got to wear a short skirt, and if you don't, it means you don't want me. 
I totally still fancy him. He jokes with me saying, We have seasonal shags now, four times a year, and if it's twice in the summer, that's our bonus. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's grim, isn't it? <laughs> He's not a nice guy, is he? Spock having sex? That's his wife saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not Leonard Nimoy having sex. <laughs> yeah, Just yeah. fucking someone who can't process human emotions properly. <laughs> oh, that's mean, that, Gemma. Yeah, but on the first day, he took it to Little Chef. Yeah. He was still a huge star. You do cracking pancakes, though, don't they? I've never been. Have you been to a Little Chef? I used to love the pancakes at Little Chef, yeah. They, uh, they've gone out of business, haven't they? Uh, I don't know. If not, we'll have to go there and fucking film Gary Newman and Gemma's first date. <laughs> you know, it sounds like a prick, doesn't he? You got to wear a short skirt, and if you. Yeah, don't... that is fucking some kind of weird controlling shit. Mm. But she was like mega into it. Like, yeah, I suppose, yeah. She knows what gets him off, and she's happy to do it. If that's his kink, someone wearing a short skirt. Then those are all worse. It's yeah. like pretty tame kink. Yeah. Okay, so that's the bulk of this sex stories from Gary Newman. But I do have one final story for you. Was it Johnny Rotten we said about meeting Bowie? Yeah. So Gary Newman's got his own story about meeting Bowie. Oh, and Gary Newman must fucking love Bowie. Yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? <laughs> Probably more than Johnny Rotten. Yeah, because it's a huge influence. Yeah. Well, here we go. I'll read, I'll read out the intro and you can read his words. Yeah. This is from an interview in The Independent in 2003 by Fiona Sturgis. Newman bristles at the mention of Bowie. <laughs> oh. who once had him thrown off the set of Kenny Everett's TV Christmas special. He's fucking constantly getting people chucked out of places, isn't <laughs> know, it? Yeah, Maybe yeah. Bowie's a cunt as well. But I'm not having that. I just can't imagine it. Hang on, man. Gary Newman and Johnny Rotten. You don't want them hanging around you. You don't <laughs> want them fucking coming. When you're on Kenny Everett's show, and I'm you fucking laugh. David Bowie. <laughs> you want, you want to hang out with fucking Kenny Everett. <laughs> I bet he's not a laugh. I bet Gary Newman is not a laugh to be around. No, Any excuse like... to get chucked out of a party. <laughs> Gary like, might. Should we get rid of him? He's fucking Debbie Downer, yeah. <laughs> so Bowie's thrown Gary Newman off yeah. the set of Kenny Everett's Christmas, Christmas special. special. Newman had already filmed his song for the programme and was hanging around to see Bowie film his. Before then, I thought he was a god. I used to get into fights at school protecting his name. Then, all of a sudden, this bloke I'd adored for years was throwing me out of the building because he hated me so much. It really upset me at the time, especially when I thought of how many thumps I'd taken for him. I can only imagine he was going through an insecure patch. At the time, I was outselling him about four to one. <laughs> Fuck off you outsold David Bowie ever. Oh, he did, man. Yeah. Really? Well, early 80s, Newman was fucking huge. Yeah. Well, think come on, if, like, he had fucking two hits and David Bowie had, what, 20? Yeah, I think he's right here. I've heard this, that Newman was bigger than we can possibly it's, imagine. It's weird because, like, like, artists are, like, fucking smashing it and they're, like, bigger than anyone. And then a couple of years later when the star fades and stuff, like, people forget how, how much of a buzz it was about him. Mm, and so he's totally he, yeah, he's probably he's probably right that, but only for like fucking that one year that he was on the Kenny Everett show. Yeah, but he's had a career for what spanning forty years, or whatever. Newman had one for about what? Two. He's still four. got no right bragging that he was fucking outselling him. I know, man, and he's got he's such such entitlement here. It upset me because when he thought about how many thumps he'd taken for him. Take fuck off for Bowie. Hey, Bowie's, Bowie's not there. Cowering behind Gary Newman. <laughs> Gary, 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 Gary. This is. Hey, Gary, Gary, these guys are chasing after me with big hammers. Oh, don't worry. I'll protect you, David. Stay behind me. <laughs> Please do, because uh, they don't like my haircut and my eyeliner. Don't worry, I will beat them off for you. Oh, no, they are thumping me. Now I am being beaten to the floor. I hope you appreciate this and don't get me thrown out of my own gig. <laughs> it's, it's not, it wasn't happening, though. So, yeah, there's Gary Newman. What do you think of him after hearing these stories? Oh, he's, he's, not, he's not a fucking terrible person, is he? He's just a bit, um, a bit cold. Yeah, a bit of a sad sack. Yeah, a bit, bit, of... bit embarrassing. I can imagine being proper embarrassing around him. Yeah, not not very exciting person. And like everyone wants to chuck him off 
the set and like no one wants to shag him and <laughs> until he's got a bit of money. <laughs> Bullshit scale on our list. How true do you think it all is? I don't think he's capable of lying. I just think <laughs> <laughs> his robot brain isn't programmed to um, to tell an untruth. So <laughs> to humans. <laughs> Not to, not to humans, only to other robots. It's like, yeah, he's it's, it's probably 100% true. 10 out of 10 for truth. Yeah. Well done, Yari, for, for obeying your protocol. <laughs> okay, it's time for Woke or Cancelled! Is he woke or not? Does he live in a world that hasn't changed since he... Was a younger man And you could get away with anything You damn well please Is he woke or not? Or should we cancel him Because the world has changed And it's a different place Where one must adapt to The changing cultural climate Is he woke or not? Okay, go on. What do you reckon then? Uh, I think he's woke. Do you reckon what? I think he's woke. Really? Yeah. Short skirt, or you don't like it? You can't cancel him for that. He's woke, he cancelled, and he, I'm not cancelling him, so he's woke. Why did why you defended him so much? I'm not defending him, I'm just you, saying he's not like cancelled, so is he's this... woke. This is how it works. <laughs> we'll fucking explain your workings then. Not cancelled, so woke. Not, not... <laughs> that's not that's not explaining your reasoning, eh? Okay, not cancelled, ergo, woke. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> right, forget it. Who would you rather fuck? Bowie or Gary? David or Gary? So I'm going to say Bowie because he's more adventurous, so he'd probably find ways to pleasure me. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that no other man could because he's so adventurous. Right, so you're choosing Bowie. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Famous First Times. <laughs> another episode of Famous First Times over with. We've done David Bowie, we've done Gary Newman, and we're bloody finished for the night, so uh, I hope you've had a really nice time listening in. Have you had a nice time doing Famous First Times, Ian? It's been alright, yeah, it's been good. I've had a great time, <laughs> and I hope you come back and listen to the next Famous First Times that will be coming whenever we can be asked but now. <laughs> Hit subscribe, see what pops up in your inbox. And thanks for listening. As, As ever. ever, see you for more. <laughs> <laughs> All right.